1: All right, folks, let's
2: get right down to it. It is Super Bowl week, but we are not talking about the Super Bowl. Although the line has jumped to uh, Rams four and a half favored over the Bengals. Honestly, I think that line has more room to go up as we get further into the week. So I think I expect that line to get bet up even further on the Rams. But that's not what we're here to talk about right now. I, I mentioned this before and didn't get a full time chance to get dive into the subject, but we got to talk about this Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL, including multiple teams, one of which being the New York football giants, alleging discrimination practices and violation of the Rooney rule. So Brian Flores, former head coach of the Dolphins, fired after three years despite a winning record and uh, back-to-back winning seasons, caught everyone off guard, then you have after Flores was fired, you had a basically a smear job by the Dolphins and the press corps about why Flores was fired, because everyone couldn't understand why Flores got fired. And it didn't really make it much sense at the time because I still contend. Everyone keeps saying that Flores wanted Deshaun Watson uh in the building and that Steve Ross didn't want Deshaun Watson. I call BS on that because Steve Ross has never shied away from controversy. He will bring in people that, that he wants. I think Flores took the bullet for the Steve Ross wanting Deshaun Watson and get getting talked out of it by the NFL who didn't want anyone traded for Deshaun Watson because it still never made any sense that Deshaun Watson never got traded for when there was no conclusion to his, uh, uh, criminal proceedings and the NFL had not made a determination to, And you had teams within striking distance of going to the Super Bowl. We literally have the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Do not tell me that none of these teams could have made the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson at QB. It was very possible this year. It was that open. But, and including on the NFC side, I mean, let's not go too crazy over the Rams either. It was wide open this year. But with that being said, uh, the Dolphins were concluding that uh, despite Brian Flores' multiple claims of Tua as the quarterback, that he was also trying to sabotage Tua behind the scenes and get Tua replaced by Deshaun Watson. Okay, but if the, if uh, Flores didn't have the pull to make the Deshaun Watson trade happen, then why is he the one publicly advocating that Tua is a quarterback? The organization could have been ma- the ones making a statement that two is a quarterback. It doesn't make any sense that the, uh, Brian Flores is the one declaring that two was the quarterback. It Something didn't make any sense there. But the media ran with the story. Then you have the the messages of Flores didn't get along with his GM, which is possible because, again, two sides of the coin. One guy may want Deshaun Watson. The other guy may not want Deshaun Watson. It seems more likely that the GM side would win out on that argument regardless. But be that as it may, we have multiple reports coming out on uh, Brian Flores. So again, not normal, but this is what Flores is alleging: is that this was following multiple attempts by the Dolphins to a the first year tank for Tua and lose games on purpose and get monetary donate uh, uh, contributions and being paid $100,000 a loss is what Flores' lawsuit is alleging and that he has uh, notes on that the Dolphins were offering him in that first year to tank the season and lose as, much, as many games as possible for the draft pick. That's what he's alleging in, the, in in the lawsuit and uh what he what his legal team says they have proof of. We have no idea what the actual proof is. But the uh, Dolphins flat out denied it. But it's the most serious allegation uh, a part of the lawsuit because it goes back to, again, the presumption of competitive balance in the NFL, which I have long questioned. If you guys have been listening to the show long enough, I've told you multiple teams are not trying to win uh, titles. It's obvious that they're not trying to win titles. It's clearly obvious they're not trying to win titles if you're actually looking at it on the face of things. They can't be. It doesn't make any sense of how they're going about it. So clearly some teams are, and you could say that they're trying to tank to rebuild, but realistically, even if you look at the salary cap situations, they're not even tanking properly. It's just, it's they're just churning paper. But be that as it may, the Flores lawsuit and the allegations of tanking and monetary payments for tanking, that's the most serious allegation that the NFL is trying to get around. The whole premise of violation of the Rooney rule and whatnot, the NFL, realistically, it's a PR move that the NFL is trying to deflect here on the Rooney rule. So, you know, I was talking about this over the weekend. I didn't get to uh, obviously publish this beforehand, but my expectation was that either the Saints or the Texans would be the ones to have to bite the bullet and hire a black head coach to deflect away from what was going on. I personally thought that it was gonna be the Saints hiring a black head coach and not necessarily Eric Bieneme. Uh there again, we'll get into this with my dad. Uh we, we we've long suspected that uh Bien-Aimé is already blacklisted uh for reasons that uh, we'll get into a bit. But you know, my expectation was that they would find a candidate that, you know, they would think is Offensive enough and will likely no one will care about them getting fired sooner than later and move on because that's the way the NFL operates. So instead of hiring Josh McCown, as they were originally planning to the Texans are promoting internally with Lovey Smith, who was the assistant head coach under David Culley, who is also African American and fire, uh, they're promoting Lovey to the head coaching position, and it's likely the scenario is they're going to name Josh McCown assistant head coach, despite Josh McCown still having no NFL, actual NFL, or any college head coaching experience whatsoever. But that's who the Texans were planning to hire as head coach before this lawsuit hit. So let's go back the Brian Flores lawsuit drops on uh, the first day of Black History Month on February 1st. The Giants are named in this lawsuit. And part of the allegations that Flores is named is that before he even had his in-person interview, the Giants had offered the head coaching position to Brian Dable, who is one of uh, Brian Flores' peers. They were all New England guys. They all know each other. So it's not as though it's a secret that uh, he was already competing against Daybull, but the confirmation that he got from this was that Bill Belichick texting Flores, thinking he was texting Brian Bowl, Some Somehow Bill Belichick is inept with technology as your grandfather uh, or grandparent. Apparently, Bill Belichick mistexted uh, his congratulatory message to uh, Brian Flores instead of sending it to Brian Dable. And this was days before Flores was going in for the interview on the 27th. So Belichick apparently knew ahead of time and was trying to congratulate Dable on getting the position, and was subsequently told by Flores that he had texted the wrong person. I mean, obviously, Bill Belichick would have both guys in his cell phone, so it's not a shocker that he would be able to communicate any messages to there. Now, why would Bill Belichick have information as to who was getting hired by the Giants? First off, Bill Belichick still has ties within the Giants organization. No matter what the Giants say in their statement about Bill Belichick doesn't determine who is going to get hired. Let's call some BS on that because no one knew who the hell Joe Judge was besides Bill Belichick. Don't tell me Bill Belichick does not have pull in the Giants organization and Bill Belichick vouched for Joe Judge within the Giants organization even to get the interviews in the first place with Dave Gettleman. So let's let's not beat around the bush here. Bill Belichick still has a lot of pull within the Giants organization. Second, in terms of guys uh, that they would have consulted with about potential head coaches, the Giants talk with Bill Belichick. The Giants can say whatever they want now, now that there's a lawsuit, but if there's depositions involved, if it gets, even gets to that stage about the communications between Belichick and the Giants, i pretty sure you can put at least a grand on this, the Giants talked to Bill Belichick. If you can get the telephone transcripts of who talked to whom, there there's good money on it that Bill Belichick and the Giants were actually communicating with one another. So it's not as though Bill Belichick is so far removed. The Giants can say whatever they want about Bill Belichick doesn't speak for the New York football Giants. Bill Belichick still has say within the Giants organization. That's a fact. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was a a long-time assistant coach, well-respected within the organization, knows plenty of where the bodies are within uh, the Giants' facilities. Let's not kid ourselves here. So, to that effect, Bill Belichick notifies Brian Flores, thinking he's talking to Brian Dable, about congratulations on getting the position. The Giants' contention is that before Flores's, uh, uh interview with the Giants on the 27th, that the only interaction they had with Daybowl prior to his interview on the 24th, because essentially uh, Belichick, uh, the text messages that Belichick had came before Daybowl even interviewed in person with the Giants. So the Giants are saying that there's no way... They had interacted with Daybol beyond just a Zoom call before Daybol's interview on the 24th. Even though Sean and Daybol were that close, they, they their, their contention is that they had no interaction with anyone. The job, it was not decided yet. So before uh, before, uh, Daybol, uh so before Flores came in on the 27th, Daybol came in on the 24th, I would assume they had the exact same itinerary because the Flores itinerary the Giants laid out was it was an all day interview from eight forty five start going well into five p.m. so full day interview going through all the candidates. So Dable came in on the twenty fourth. Uh, the Belgic Tex came in even before the twenty fourth, so essentially. Flores knew over the weekend regardless of the outcome of uh the game uh on Sunday between the Chiefs and Bills that Dable was going to be the coach. So he already got news from uh from uh, uh from uh his, his sources within the Giants. Giants are calling BS on that. I have my doubts on that. I'm pretty sure Belichick is still plugged in enough as it is. The problem is uh The Giants are contending that everything was above board in this process. Here's my point. If Brian Flores and Dable were going through this rigorous interview process for six plus hours, seven plus hours, you mean to tell me that in the course of the next day, you were able to figure out between the pluses and minuses of all the candidates, and going through everything that was shared between all the interviews, that Dabo was far and away the guy coming in with the interview, not going through the uh, amount of folks, because there were other candidates that had a review as well. So they, they, they had already made their choice, made it done with 28, then sent over the contract for review over to the agent by that evening. That is the Giants' contention that they were able to review everything, s- sight unseen, uh, gone, gone through the entire process and hadn't already decided on the process and be able to execute the contract and have it uh, approved over the weekend with Day by Saturday. It's a flimsy timeline at best because it most of the time when it comes to these contracts, these teams already haven't predetermined who they're going to go with because it's just a lot of paperwork they got to go through and, uh, and stipulations they have to actually sort through. It's not that clean cut. It's hard to imagine that the Giants were able to execute everything that they're saying on their own timeline that quickly and already arrived at a decision going through hours of interview dialogue between the candidates and notes between the candidates and do it in one single day and make the offer and background checks and clearance of it, all the, all the HR nonsense that you have to deal with. It's a really hard sell. The Giants are going to make it and it's, it's the burden of proof for Flores and his legal team to prove it. So we know what the Giants probably did. It's just hard to actually make the case to say that it was not above board it's a i i believe it's a tough case and as much as people in the media are gonna talk about how brave Flores is it's a very hard case he's trying to prove against the nfl the media traction alone makes this toxic for the league and that's why you got the league making these token hires and making mike mcdaniel of the dolphins claim he's biracial we will probably talk about that with my dad uh uh Let's be clear, there's pretty much zero chance Mike McDaniels had ever had a need to bring up the fact that he is biracial in any job interview, yet I've heard this in NFL media circled the entire weekend about how biracial Mike Mike, Mike McDaniels is, uh, uh, the new Dolphins head coach. Fine, fine. I'm pretty certain he's never had to bring that up for interview purposes, but the NFL is trying to do damage control. The issue is that from the appearance of impropriety, the Giants look like they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Everyone knows dabo was the guy as soon as Sean was got hired as GM. It's pretty, it's pretty connected dots here. It's just the Giants l- don't look as though they're above board. There are there holes in the story because it makes you think that the Giants were able to prepare all of this in, in less than 24 hours. And frankly, there's a lot of negotiations that they have to kind of go through with everything on board. It's just, it's a tough sell. Is it possible? Yeah. Is it likely? Hell no. So the Giants got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Is anything going to come out of this? Most likely not, because that's just the way the NFL operates. And the burden of proof is on Flores and his legal team to actually prove that the Giants did it with malicious intent to have Flores out there as a token interview before they could seriously announce uh, Brian Dable as the next head coach of the New York Football Giants. That's really what it comes down to. And truth be told, this is more than likely going to end up with Brian Flores not going to be able to get any coaching job in the NFL ever again. I'm, I'm pretty confident stating the fact that Brian Flores will never coach in the NFL again. But I don't see this lawsuit necessarily going anywhere, even though it probably should. But we've seen this. We've been down this road before numerous times with the NFL. It's just that the optics of this look so bad. And the tanking allegations with the Dolphins. That's why I let off with the tanking allegations with the Dolphins. That's the one that they really have to be wary of. If Brian D'Abel is going to burn this to the ground, if he actually has correspondence with the Dolphins that implicate the Dolph- Dolphins trying to get him to tank games, I don't think he's going to win on the merit of a Rennie Rule case being violated by the Giants, even though it's, it's as flimsy as it gets the Giants' defense of this with their own timeline, but it's the tanking allegations that I think has the NFL most alarmed. They're going to sugarcoat uh, the diversity hires as best they can. Uh, you know, if anything, this might actually save Mike Tomlin's job with the Steelers, even though Mike Tomlin should never be in danger with the Steelers. It's just because of his how, how often he wins. It's just that Mike Tomlin always seems to be on the hot seat, even though he's one of the top five coaches in the league. But because of everything that's gone on, I can't see the Steelers even trying to make a move at this point because there's too much attention now. So, I think Tomlin's actually insulated even though I thought he was in danger with going into a full rebuild mode with Ben Roethlisberger retiring and the Steelers not really having a backup plan. But, you know, it's a bad look for the league. So, uh let's get my dad on the line uh because I know he had some thoughts as well. So, uh we'll we'll continue the conversation and uh, be right back shortly. All right Kelly, uh yeah, I got you on here just so we can talk about this coaching cycle and uh Mike McDaniel who the NFL went well out of their way to say is biracial. In his first press conference says I-, I I identify as a human being, but my dad is black, so I'll leave it at that. With wh- wh- I- I- like I I I just uh, it-, it-, it I always find it amazing because when you force the guy who never really identified himself as in a box and then you put him on the spot to have to answer it. And then you get that response. It kind of tells you he really did not want to be put in that spot by the NFL, but the NFL did it anyway. But, uh, I'll, I'll let you expound on your thoughts because you had some good takes on, uh, this whole coaching cycle. And, uh, with respect to, uh, the fact that, uh, the way we evaluate coaches is part of the problem too. Yeah, well the, the, the problem
1: is, is that they always think that they know they have a problem. They never address it. I'm telling you. Because the the the, 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 the coaching hirings of this year is just like the ones from five years ago. It's the same thing. And they always have the token black coach that they hire. And I don't like to really call a guy a token. Uh, do he's getting used. But they, they are getting used. You're glad for the opportunity, but but you are getting used. Because the problem I have, you know, once, once I heard um, Chris Rock making a joke about... Um, Kwame Brown, and he said, the NBA is fully integrated because Kwame <laughs> Brown and them, they could screw up as much as they want and steal money, you know, the black players stink, white players stink. That's racial equality. And all it was a joke, it's, it's true, because what the NFL and Major League Baseball does is a black guy gets hired. Nine out of ten times he never get the resources that he should get. But he's supposed to do well or uh, just set him up to fail and they know but well, we ain't giving him much, but if he doesn't do this much, that's it. We gave we gave him a chance, you know, we get, it's never the same. And how many times do you ever hear that a black coach gets hired?
2: Well, re- rehired, you no, mean. So it's no, like...
1: well, well. I mean, get hired, doesn't do well, and gets a second chance like a year or two n- the next time. Hey, you can count on your hand and never run out amount the, the times that happens. So don't tell me there's not a problem. Because the amount of white coaches I know, how many times North, North Turner was a head coach? Oh,
2: <laughs> huh? uh, uh, North.
1: So give, give, give me a break here. Somebody, well, they even talk about baseball. The amount of times I know guys, they've almost made the rounds in a whole damn league, you know, you know on, on, on teams. So, it's, 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 don't tell me there's not a problem. It's right there in front of your eyes. You know, I say, well, um, you know. No, okay, look, railroads. Railroads gets fired in Philadelphia. Goes to Green Bay. One season, goes 8-8, eight eight. he gets fired. Have you ever seen Ray Rose as a head coach again?
2: Huh? Permanently a coordinator after, after that. Rose the next year, went 8-8 eight and, eight and didn't
1: get fired. He had like three more seasons. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.
2: Mike Sherman was beloved. <laughs> Said no one ever.
1: I, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I, I am not saying that when a coach, you know, as soon as he loses a few games that, you know, look, if, if Cliff Kingsbury was a black coach, you think he survives in Arizona?
2: If Cliff, King, if, Cliff Kingsbury, if Cliff Kingsbury was a black coach, he would have been fired out of college, even at Texas Tech. So many more times than before he actually got the boot. Not to mention, not to mention, when Cliff Kingsbury, he's actually one of the best case examples of this. Cliff Kingsbury is interviewing to be an offensive coordinator. Not head coach, offensive coordinator at Green Bay. The Cardinals, desperate to, Steve Cotton, the GM, desperate to save his ass because he was, eh, He thought he might have been on the uh, firing line, too. Sells his ownership, the Bidwells. Sells them on the fact that, well, we were really bad, even with Josh Rosen. But there's this guy, Cliff Kingsbury. If we get him instead and draft Kyler Murray, we can make it work. And so with that, just that premise alone, to save his own ass, he fires Steve Wilkes, another black coach, after one year with the worst roster in the league. Yeah. On the premise of hiring Cliff Kingsbury, he of uh, fired from Texas Tech, even though he had Patrick Mahomes and Plen- and Baker Mayfield could never uh, uh, win at Texas Tech, let alone get into the college football playoff. Could could even win the Big Twelve. With Patrick Mahomes of all people, somehow takes a guy interviewing from an offensive coordinator position with the Packers and hires him as head coach above everybody else and fires a black coach to do to do it. Yeah. Nobody bats a, nobody bats a, you know, an eyelash because they're like, oh well, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, if he can get his hands on Colin Murray in that offense. Who knows what could happen? Well, here's what happened, folks. Colin Murray is trying to get himself traded out of Arizona because he's sick and tired of getting his ass handed to him because Cliff Kingsbury's offense, you can figure it out by midseason, and they don't do anything. This is the exact same thing that would happen at Texas Tech and how Cliff Kingsbury is not on the hot seat. You know, I like I said, I leave it to the media to look past because I'm not even just talking about the fact that y- you got me getting passed over. You've got the Flores lawsuit. I'm talking about you got mediocre coaches right now. Doesn't even get brought up being on the hot seat yet. You always hear random whisperings about Mike Tomlin. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The Steelers are turning th- the Steelers have been turning think- things over. For years now, and Tomlin's been keeping it together with him and like shoestrings and glue with a aging and literally decaying Ben Roethlisberger. But now, I don't know. We got to see how next year goes for Mike Tomlin. Next year is a rebuilding year for the Steelers if they don't if they don't get a major trade done. Like next year, what the hell are the Steelers supposed to do about? He, as bad as Ben was, he was still their best option at QB. That's not on Mike Tomlin. That's on the organization. But Mike Tomlin's the on the hot seat. Uh, please. Yeah,
1: I'm telling you, it's something else. You
2: know, they, they, and and they do it with just deceit. You know, and and, and
1: always, yeah, and like I said. My biggest problem is all of these writers that sit around and talk, 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 and says, well, you know, we have a problem, but they never address it. They never, they, they talk for it for two minutes and then they just let it sit there. And, you know, uh, well, it's because they don't have any intention of fixing
2: the problem. They would rather just write a piece about how unfair the process is but never actually do anything substantive to push the owners in a box and highlight how much the owners have influenced the process. Because you could do a deep dive of every coaching hiring cycle, who got interviewed, when they got interviewed, and you could even put together the list that these owners go by and show – how they had no intention of ever hiring some of these coaches because it's the same list of coaches that every other team goes about when they don't want to hire someone that they use. Yeah. It's, look, look,
1: like I said, I blame those guys because they know, I mean, it's, you might, you can see it. It's there every single year, you know, and what they actually do, it says, but well, these guys should be glad they even gave them an opportunity. Well, it's not an opportunity. It's not. Because unless you have the opportunity to fail and get a chance to do it again, that's not an opportunity. Because when we get an opportunity, it's an opportunity you have to do well. Not to fail. It, it, you know, as soon as as soon as you come, I mean, Lovey Smith. What did Lovey Smith do to get fired in Chicago? Huh? He didn't win enough. What? What <laughs> did he do to get fired in 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 in, in, in Tampa?
2: He, he he didn't win a Super Bowl.
1: You know, you gave him a team with no quarterback, and the next year you gave him. A rookie quarterback. And he gets fired because you didn't want the offensive coordinator to leave. So you gave him the head coaching job and got rid of lovey Smith. And they they did so well. You know, they did so well. He developed, you know, these guys get this reputation that they can develop a quarterback. Adam Gase. Oh, we got to get rid of. We, we got to get rid of the coach. He can't develop a quarterback. Adam Gates is the guy. Oh, well, he did. He did a really good job, you know, in Miami. So much so that he got the head coaching job at the Jets. What I love best. What
2: I love best. What I love best chance. about what I love best about getting rid of Todd Bowles is the Jets are still struggling. To get anywhere even remotely close to as successful as they were under Todd Bowles, which wasn't that much success, but even Jets fans have to acknowledge the fact that they're just trying to get back to five hundred. They, they they're even close to five hundred.
1: Not 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 only that, not only that, under Todd Bowles, but Rex Ryan also that defense could have keep them in games. And I
2: don't get did away with all of that. Well, that's well, that's my thing. People get complacent because people get complacent because they always assume grass is always greener. So that when you win games, but you don't advance and go really far in the Super Bowl, this, that, and the other. Because when you saw Andy Reid get fired in Philly, the Philly fans were like, "Yeah." We're finally moving in places. We're doing something different. Doing something different does not mean you're actually going to uh, progress. And yes, I bring up the Andy Reid example because this is what I'm talking about. People get complacent when they win, but they don't win big. And so they always look to it. And the media also hypes this up, especially when you have black coaches that, well, doesn't look flashy enough. We I I, th- I think we've gotta make a change. Or or if they're too flashy, then then it, the talk becomes, I don't know. He may have lost the locker room, they're a little bit ill disciplined, and you always hear that when it comes to uh, more when it comes to a black coach. It's like, I don't know, he may have lost control of his team. It's just a lot of undisciplined I, penalties.
1: <laughs> not only that. Not only that. The media hates a black coach or a player that's his own man. Let me tell you something. As great as Patrick Ewing was in New York, and he should have been the mayor of New York, they didn't like Patrick Ewing because Patrick Ewing, did things his own way. He, he wouldn't give interviews when he didn't want to. He did sign autographs, and they're like, you're you in great for that man, you know. Uh, you should be glad you get the opportunity. And he didn't give a shit, and they hated that. That's that. That's always a problem with them. Always a problem with them, you know. So, so since you're not there, darling, then well, they can't do you nothing because you, you, you're playing good or, or you're coaching good. So. They
2: they give you that, but they don't give you anything else. Well that well that well that's yeah. what. Well, I was about to say. Why do you think Patrick struggled so much to actually get an NBA head coaching job? As, oh, yeah. as as equal as you know, we we talk about the NBA having opportunities for coaches, and yeah, it's it's better than the NFL and the other sports. You still run into that in the NBA, where if you are you know, an assertive minority coach that Uh, rubs things the wrong way
1: uh, for owners
2: and things like that. So that's why you get that's why you get the Sam Mitchell's of the world and the Dwayne Casey's of the world that, you know, you would think would stick around in certain jobs longer even when they're
1: Bob Jackson.
2: (laughs) I well, you you you, I was getting to that too. It's like Mark Jackson is the most prolific case of it because everyone keeps saying it keeps throwing his name in the head coaching ranks, and you know Mark Jackson's making good money on TV, but he always says he wants to come back to coach, but he's not coming back to coach in a crappy situation. He's just he's not, not going to do it.
1: He's not going to kiss ass to do it, and they hate that. You're supposed to kiss my ass. You know what do you mean? What do you mean you don't want to do that? Yeah, you
2: know he's I, not going. He's not gonna go to a bad situation to coach. No. He he want he wants to be on a title contending team if he's coming back to uh, to coach again. That, that, that and they don't like that, but that's the way he sets his standards. And you know uh, uh, he and Van Gundy are very close. But like uh, you know, he, he, you when you talk about equality, it's like you you should be able to want to pick and choose the spots you go to when you've established yourself. And that's the thing you cannot do in the NFL. You don't get to pick and choose the spot you get to go out to. And because, you know, Tomlin, Tomlin wants to stay with the Steelers. He he actually does want to stay with the Steelers. But I guarantee you, uh, if the Steelers wanted to move on, they'll find a reason to move on, and that'll be that. Whereas if it was uh, a coach like Sean Payton, Sean Payton had so, uh, has so many offers right now, to pick and choose what he wants to do, he could step down. And without, uh, he, he feeling, it's like, oh, what's he going to get? I don't know. Uh, who, who's going to pay up for Sean Payton to be uh, the uh, the next John Madden, this, that, and the other. Mike Tomlin is eminent just as, if not more so qualified than Sean Payton to do that. Not a single, and, and, and the thing, and the thing of it is, is that I haven't heard a single person even bring up Media opportunities for Mike Tomlin. How many memorable sound bites have you gotten from Mike Tomlin over the years? It's not as though Mike Tomlin isn't someone uh, that's personable with the media and, and, and entertaining. Mike Tomlin has just is just as qualified, if not more so, than Sean Payton for uh, uh, television uh, roles or to coach a different team if he really wanted to. If Jerry Jones wants to pay up for money, like it, th- this is the double standard I keep talking about. So it's like as much as I keep hearing about it, I was like, "Oh man, where's Sean Payton going to end up?" You don't hear that with Mike Tomlin. And, and it's like the most the most you heard about Mike Tomlin was, "Oh, is Mike Tomlin available for uh, is available for the USC job?" And I'm like, "Uh okay, yeah, he can get paid a lot of money by USC, but he he should be able to get a lot more than just the USC job." I'm like are, you, are are we serious here?
1: All you hear about Tomlin, besides, like I said, that USC thing, is that he he may have lost the locker room. He may he may be on the hot seat. Now, you, you never hear from a player, whether they leave the Steelers or not, that Mike Tomlin's the bad coach. He has a better record than most coaches in the league. He has a Super Bowl under his belt. Should have had two. Okay? Should have had two.
2: Well, I mean that that, that, that I mean, it, 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 if you want to talk about, about revisionist history with Super Bowls, Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl. But realistically, oh. if you look at if you look go look back at that Packers Steelers Super Bowl and watch how many times Ben Roethlisberger gives away that game to Rodgers, I'm telling you, you 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 actually have to start thinking a little bit differently about Aaron Rodgers's actual career if you because people always talk about he won a super bowl go back and look at the super bowl Rodgers won it was very much in the same okay. way where you're looking at it and saying damn better Ben Roethlisberger uh, did as much to gift that super bowl uh to the packers as anything the packers actually did in that game the the pack i mean the packers played okay but it's like that was a bad Ben Roethlisberger performance like Ben Roethlisberger has had two of the worst Super Bowl quarterbacking performances of the last 20 years. And and it's not and it's not to slander Ben Roethlisberger on uh, uh, in his retirement. Uh what I'm saying is, you know, for the grief that people always say about uh certain quarterbacks uh, and they they always talk about Eli stats, Eli stats. Go look at go look at the Super Bowl performances of the last 20 years. It's only a handful of guys who actually were uh, balled out in the Super Bowl. You, 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 you've got you got Brady, uh, uh, you got Brady, you got Eli, you got Russ. Uh, Russ played well in both uh, both the Super Bowls he he was in. But if you look, go look at some of the Super Bowl performances, it's like Brees uh, played well in, in his game against uh, Peyton, uh, even though a lot of it was just dump off passes. His numbers actually, yeah, but, he, but his numbers Breeze, were actually Breeze, decent.
1: His Super Bowl basically was was uh, the two the two punt returns. Yeah, but, well,
2: well, that's what that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. though. No. but but it's like he didn't do anything to cost his team games. When you go look at some of the past Super Bowl performances, you directly see quarterbacks costing team their team the game. Because yeah. even with the Chiefs Super Bowl win. Even with the Chiefs Super Bowl win. They didn't actually play well. That was more on Jimmy G being that uh, that bad. Like, Jimmy G was bad in that the Super Bowl. And we talked about this where it's like, Jimmy G hasn't thrown that many passes in this postseason. I hope he actually has some throws ready for the Super Bowl because they're going to need him to actually throw the ball. And Jimmy G was not good. If Jimmy G was even remo- like above average, The Niners win that game by a touchdown. Even if he was average, the Niners win that game. Jimmy G was bad in that that Chiefs Super Bowl win. And so, like, people get it twisted where it's like, if you put up numbers and you have the Super Bowl, they're like, oh, man, look at what happened. But it's like, if you go back and actually look at the Super Bowl games, there aren't that many great QB performances. I know they give it to the QB. But like, there aren't that many great individual Super Bowl quarterbacking yeah, performances.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, um, Montana always performed well in the Super Bowl. Uh Philson's in '86 was really great. Uh, LA had a good one that first one when uh, and and Fav had Favre had a lousy one. You know, Eli, you know, played good. Fav played lousy. Doug Williams played great.
2: Uh, 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 well, uh, well, uh, well, uh, well. This, this is why I say, you know, Rogers and Favre are very similar because if you look at, I'm telling you, you look at Favre's Super Bowl they performances and you say yourself, wait, wait, yeah, he won, but like he was bad in both of the both yeah, of the Super Bowls. They, they played play terrible. It's like it's like
1: that first Super Bowl that Rodgers, uh won. Uh, you know, he did all he could to give it away.
2: And and, and and that was still the worst officiated Super Bowl of all time. Right. I, it's like, I, I swear, it's like, I, I get why the Seahawks fans never get over that Super Bowl because that was one of the roughest games I've ever seen with the amount of flags they drew. I still yeah. can't get over that one. That was one of the worst. That, that was a hard watch of a Super Bowl game. That Super
1: Bowl was like, by the hook of the crook, we got to make sure this coach wins his first Super Bowl. I, uh, they, 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 I mean, there were so many questionable calls in that game that all went to the Steelers. I don't think Tomlin was there to get all those calls, <laughs> but you know, I, I, it was, it was terrible, you know. So, look, I, I'm, i like I said, there's not many great. It is, you can look at some, like I said, uh, Montana always showed up in the Super Bowl for some reason Montana always showed up he always had rice you know uh let me see who had a good Super Bowl again hmm uh I mean it, 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 going back to this it had some but you know like there, there, there's not many good I mean if if if, yeah, you know, people like to poo-poo, like I said, they like to poo-poo the two, two Super Bowls that Eli won. Yeah, you go back and look and see how many more quarterbacks played a better game. That, I'll, I'll that
2: tell day. you, it, it, like, if, if people get obsessed with just saying because a guy has good stats, like, it, it's like, oh, but he's got the Super Bowl. Go look at their Super Bowl. Floor. Like, the Super Bowl, oftentimes you don't have great QB performances. Like, you really don't. Like, that's why I'm a little worried. I, and I didn't get your thoughts on this Super Bowl. I'm a little worried about this Super Bowl because I keep looking at this game, and I know Burrow has had a great run with the Bengals, and everyone loves Jamar Chase. I keep worrying about this Super Bowl because for, for a team that I know needs to throw the ball well to win the game, this is a terrible matchup for the Bengals. To me, it's a terrible matchup. You got Aaron Donald and Von Miller against one of the worst offensive lines in the league because in every category, they are bottom five or bottom three. And basically every category pressures and hurries like it. I think Burrow's going to have a lot of pressure at his feet. And the thing is, you're going to be forced to kind of uh, you're going to be forced to throw when the Rams aren't really blitzing you they're just getting pressure with four guys and I'm just looking at that as like if Burrow has to just throw the ball up for grabs I don't you know maybe he can have a great game regardless and I in and and he'll just make it work but I just look at this and I'm and I say you know that Tennessee game they had so much pressure on him the fact of the matter was Tennessee and Tannehill just a were bad uh, and couldn't move couldn't, couldn't move the ball, but it's like the defense held down Cincy. They couldn't really do anything, and I think it's going to be the same case. I think it, this just kind of comes down to can Stafford not F this one up, or can McVay not overthink it and just r- run, uh, r- run, run the ball, lay action a couple of times. You don't need to force the issue with this Bengals defense. You'll have the opportunities there, but you don't need to force anything. Because that to me, that was always the thing with the Chiefs. The Chiefs were constantly trying to force the issue on Sunday after they blew, uh, it, it blew that uh, chance at the end of the half by not kicking the field goal uh, and only being up 11. To me, the Chiefs were tr- constantly trying to force the issue to get those points back and got themselves out of rhythm because they stopped running the ball. Honestly, yeah. I think you can run on this uh, Bengals front Pretty much the entire game, you can chew clock, move the ball around, do what you want. To me, this is a very straightforward game for the uh, for the Rams. Like I don't like Cincy in this game at all, and I wanted to get your thoughts because, to be honest, I, I think this is a pretty ho hum game unless the Rams f it up. I, I just don't well, see well, I-, I don't see that much of an opportunity for the Bengals. I'm just being
1: honest. Well, here's the two things. It's a, it's a, I, I like the Rams. I like the Rams in the game, but the two things that worry me: one, I don't know how Stafford is going to do under pressure, and I've seen, <laughs> I've seen McVeigh in a Super Bowl already, Choke. and he screwed
2: it up. Choke, oh, okay, choked it hard.
1: Right. Going over to the other side. The thing that worries me is, I think, look, when you in college and you have to play a national championship game. Oh,
2: that's you're way. Seeing, oh, that's way more pressure.
1: when When you play against Alabama, not to mention the regular season games. Yeah, it's uh,
2: like a it's like a Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah,
1: I, no,
2: yeah, I, like, I, like well, is yeah, going to be good. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to, the moment is going to do him anything.
1: No. So that's, even though I like the Rams, the one thing that worries me is the two of the most important guys for the, for the Rams, I kind of have to keep my fingers crossed about them because I don't know what Stafford's going to do in the moment. And I'm hoping that will learned his lesson from the last time and he looks better. Yeah. So, although I think, like you said, I think the Rams should win this game and they shouldn't have a big, big problem. They shouldn't. The Rams should win this game. You know? But, you know, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, like, it's like you said it's if, if Shaft. If there's a but what, that would be it. Those two guys those two guys that, I, that that I just talked about that would be the one to worry about yeah you know because I if they do their jobs like I say it could be a whole
2: home game yeah because here's the thing the Rams had their choke job game already against the bucks to me like again this matchup looks very much like the bucks matchup style wise it's a terrible matchup for the opposition against the Rams it, you would have to choke this game away to lose it. Now, they can, they followed it up with the, 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 the nonsense that we had with Jimmy G, where if Jimmy G even remotely plays well, the 49ers win. But again, people forget the 49ers are a terrible matchup for the Rams. The Rams oh, yeah, yeah. are not well-suited to play the 49ers. The 49ers do... A lot of the things that the Rams don't want you to do, they can just stop you at the line of scrimmage and you can't run the ball and you're forced to throw on the outside and not in the middle of the field, which is what the Rams are want to do. So it stymies them. They they have a tough time dealing with the 49ers. They're not going to have that tonight. They really shouldn't. This is a mental game. To me, this is the Bucks game all over again because – Yes, the other team can throw the ball. I don't have any concerns about Joe Burrow throwing the ball. It's like I know the Rams secondary is good, but he's got good receivers too. I expect Joe Burrow to be able to make good throws. The problem is, and it's the same problem Brady ran into is the Rams' front is still good enough to get pressure and make uh, and cause issues up the middle. And it it, it it's going to affect you uh from being consistently able to move the ball on offense and you're going to end up having to punt. So to me, this is a mental game. As long as mentally the Rams stay strong and disciplined, they should be able to put this game away. But as soon as they let go of the rope. Again, what happened in the Bucks game? Rally by uh, uh, rally by Brady in the Bucks uh, to uh, to, uh, to make it crazy and you and and they almost lost that one but, but that, that's
1: that's the thing I'm talking about because in the box game i was watching that game and it was so home that i had to run to the grocery
2: yeah and, well when you left it so there was no need I, there was I, no I need to stick around
1: there was no need to stick I went around in the grocery and walking around and not you know I'm not rushing to get back home because i you know I had nothing to watch so i'm I'm laying around there and i'm and then I got back home, and I called him. I'm like, what the, what's going on here? Hey, yeah. not this game
2: over? Yeah. I, I, I well, did yeah. Like, even listen to the, the yeah, radio. Yeah, there, there's, there's going to there's be an, uh, uh, there's still an unrecorded version. I don't know if I kept it or not. There's an unrecorded episode of the show that never made it to air because the game spiraled back out of, out of control, and we had a game on our hands. And I had a, I, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't cover, yeah, uh, I couldn't, go. I, I, co- I couldn't cover the late game because, you know, you're, you're looking at it and you're saying, wait, what, ha- like, I can't cover the Chiefs Bills game because this game, this game is still live again. Um, yeah. but, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, it, it it's, 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 it, it, it's really cut and dry. It, to me, it's pretty cut and dry that, if the rams stay within themselves like and learn from the guys who have been in that super bowl before you can't choke you like when your moment's there you can't you can't choke and it's like they i would think they would have more uh the, the i i think if uh you know me personally i think you would have more confidence in stafford and jared golf but you know it's just one of those things where it's like if they tighten up and they get a little bit uh, tight again, I I think that, I honestly, I think it's a very real possibility that while I think, to me, the, the most likely case scenario is like, I think you play this game 70% of the time, Rams win this by double digits. I, I really feel that confident in saying that. It's a terrible matchup for the Bengals, but I. What I will say is, do I think there's a margin where in that fifteen percent you've got the Bengals winning this game? Yeah, there's a there's a good there's a way that the Bengals win this game with the Rams choking and, and just uh, shooting themselves in the foot. It's entirely possible. I, I'm not gonna say it's it's a. a uh, this is a juggernaut of a Rams team. I can't say that. The problem I have with this is that it's just such a bad matchup in general for what the Bengals are going to do. That realistically, if you do this game on paper and you and you just break it down by, uh, it's like, uh, and you do the analytics and whatnot, th- this game favors this game favors uh, the Rams big. And I know people want to like hedge and protect themselves and say oh, it's a close game, you know, between the two of them. I don't really, it's like, it, it really shouldn't be that close. If we're, if we're be if we do the objective analysis and you grade that offensive line for the Bengals against the defensive line for the Rams and that secondary, there really shouldn't be a way for the Bengals to put up uh, tw- uh, 20, uh, 24, 20, uh, like the 24 to 27 points. They're probably going to need, they're probably going to be closer to 17 to 20 that's like that's the reality of the situation but the Rams should be able to put up uh uh comfortably put up 24 uh, uh 24 to 28 points on this bengals defense if they just run their base offense like and more often than not, they're probably gonna hit 30 if, if they get if they get you know relatively close to a cooper cup game and he has a decent game they're probably gonna break 30. like that's that's the that's the issue I just, I just think people are being a little bit disingenuous trying to hype up this game, saying, "Oh, you know, expect a close game." It's like, no, more often than not, this should not be a close game. That, that, that's the reality situation. This is not a great matchup per se in terms of competitive balance. It, it's not. It's not. It's just not. That's a, that's the reality situation. It's just not a great game on paper. It could end up being a great game, but it's like on. Um, more than not, probably is going to be kind of a lackluster game, but it's like I think people want to hype up the game and say more about it than what it actually is.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, like like I said, the, the, the one thing I'm worried about is that is Stafford is getting a little rattled and McVeigh. Not being able
2: to call the plays, you know, because when well, like I said, I wasn't there. I didn't know. No, well, the yeah, so like, yeah, the 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 whole issue with the Bucks game were the fumbles because you got uh, you got running back fumbles, you got a tight end like they were just like you're just watching some of these guys not secure the ball, and you're just shaking your head because like these aren't even like aggressive play calls. It's like guys, this is just basic ball control 1 on 1. It's like but you know when you guys get more uh when you guys get more into games where like you think it's over, you start losing focus and I think that was the biggest thing. They lost focus and you give a team like the Bucks even a glimmer that they can get back in it. Yeah, they're going to they're going to come after you hard. Like to me that's the the biggest advantage the Bengals have is that while they don't have the veteran experience that the Bucks have, they're playing with house money, they don't care so they're just going to keep coming because frankly who cares, they'll just keep playing hard, so to me again, while I don't expect this game to be anything more than ho-hum you know, I still expect the Bengals to keep playing hard it's just like, the way I look at it is that, you know realistically, I think it'll still be like it's not going to be uh, the final score. May end up being closer, but I think by and large the Rams should be comfortably ahead because it's just not a great matchup for the Bengals in general. Like that, that's just the long and short of it. It's just not a good matchup for the Bengals. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, 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 I don't see a, a, a way that that I think the Bengals could, could, could can beat them standing toe-to-toe, so like I said, I I don't think it's it's, you know, to me the only thing the Bengals have going for them is this Cinderella run that was on, but I've seen Cinderella runs already where it turned midnight on them, so you know this could be one of those you know so, I don't know I, I I just think it could it could be one of those old, um where the the game could be over at half time. You know, the only thing you would have to hold on to is but I thought I thought the Bucks game was over at half time and it it it, it, it came back to bite me. You know, so unless you're looking for something like that but I I I I I think the the Rams are the much better team the more balanced team and everything you know they should win this game finally. You know, I, I I like I said I like Burrow. I don't think the moment's gonna be too big for him, but uh I don't think he can he can uh go do it against this Rams team. Because if 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 that if that offensive line plays bad as it plays and that Tennessee game, because I think this defense...
2: I don't is, see how they're not going to play that. When, when, when Aaron Donald
1: is... and you, you see how Aaron Donald, you know, when he had that thing at the sideline in that San Francisco game, the, the, you saw the, that defense rose up, you
2: know. that That's the thing. It's like I can't see Aaron Donald and that defense having a bad game. i I don't see it like... You don't have that performance against the 49ers to rally when honestly they could have packed it in. It's like you know we gave it a shot. This offense is the, no, they rallied hard uh, and and to get back into that game. That was oh, the yeah. defense leading it. So I can't see how you have that performance in the uh, third quarter and fourth quarter of the San Fran game and then lay it down in the Super Bowl. If hey, the Ram- is- if the Rams defense and the defensive front play well. That offensive line for the Bengals is going to struggle hard, and I don't. And I just don't see how, unless you get an injury, and of course it's football. Anything could happen. Unless you get an injury to the secondary or someone on on that Rams uh, uh, defensive major, line,
1: major. a major one. Yeah. It's like yeah.
2: I just don't see how the Bengals do well at the line of scrimmage. I think it's a long night. Like that's why I think it's like. Yes, individually Joe Burrow can have some excellent plays to keep the team in the game and keep going. It's like I'm not saying Joe Burrow can't have good numbers tonight. Uh, 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 I, I just don't. It's like I, I don't say. I don't, I just don't. Say, I'm not saying that it's like impossible for Joe Burrow to have good numbers. I'm just saying that it's overall for the team in terms of productivity and efficiency. I think it's a long night in the office. I I just, I just don't see. I don't see how that uh, that plays well to their strengths. Yeah,
1: no, no, no. I I I, 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 agree with you. You know, I think it's gonna be a very long night. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. But we'll we'll talk a little later on.
2: Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll definitely we'll we'll definitely get yeah. into it later, Callie. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll 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 we'll, we'll reconnect. Oh, okay. sir. You All right, you too. All take right. it easy.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, folks. So you have uh, my dad's thoughts on the game. Uh, you know, he's kind of in the same camp I am in terms of the matchup. And you know, I know some of you don't want to hear the conversation on the coaching cycle in the floors, and I, I get it. I get it. But it, you know, it still is one of those things where it's just like you hear the you hear the BS enough times that you're just tired of hearing about the BS. Like we know you guys don't want to hire certain minorities in certain positions. We get it. You just can't get away with it. But we, we get that you don't care unless you're forced to. And it, even though it might make your team actually better, it just, you know, hiring the Josh McCowns of the world, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I get I I've never actually understood how the hell Josh McCown. Despite not having any coaching background, is this hot of a candidate? Except he's not even a hot candidate. No one else in the league want, wanted to interview him, so the Texans couldn't couldn't justify the hire uh, in, in that regard. But that's the nonsense. It happens every couple of years. This this nonsense happens. It's nothing new. So again, it's 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 aggravating enough to deal with, but. Uh, I'm going to get out of here because we got to do another episode. So I run through my prop bets as well as the DFS showdown episode. So stay tuned. We've got more content on tap. So, uh, have a good one folks. Thanks for listening to the fantasy throwdown podcast. Be sure to like, and subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and all other major outlets.